Games on Joe Mines Ragtime. Today we're going to be reviewing G.I. Joe Real American Hero 284, Batman Fortnite Zero Point number 6, the conclusion of that miniseries, and it's time. Snake Eyes Dead Game number 5. Finally over. Anyway, it's kind of a good, the meh, and the ugly edition. So we'll start with the good. G.I. Joe number 284 by Larry Hama and Andrew Lee Griffith. It is part four of the Murder by Assassination series. Again, I think that title's just on there to help IDW sell a trade paperback. Anyway, it is the aftermath of the Joe's dealings with Al Cabra and his attempts to sell a nuclear warhead on the black market. And the Joes are doing an investigation to try and see if they can track Al Cabra down in the warehouse. The same Joes as last issue are involved. We have Roadblock, Chuckles, Sherlock, Lady J, and Molto. Black Hat and Bottom Line are also going to show up here, too. While the Joes are investigating the warehouse, the Joes discover that Al Cabra has booby-trapped the warehouse, and it blows up. But the Joes are able to get a lead on the pizza that he ordered, and able to track him by the credit card, which leads them to the warehouse as Al Cabra is trying to clear out and get out of town. Al Cabra kills the government official who's attempting to get another bribe to get him out of the country, takes his uniform, and attempts to get on the plane. He also sends his troops to try and distract the Joes from the pizza parlor who are there investigating his credit card. The Joes are able to get by this attack and head for the airport to attempt to intercept Al Cabra. There's another booby trap. Now, at the airport, the Joes are actually able to get onto the plane. Lady J poses as a flight attendant and intercepts someone who they thought was Al Cabra, but it turns out to be just some schmo that he traded uh, $20,000 for his passport and identity. Good move. I don't think $20,000 would cover your legal fees. In the meantime, Al Cabra actually tries this trick again and ended up escaping. So we'll see what happens in Part 5. Again, story moved along on this issue. The art, pretty good. I have been enjoying this series, this particular storyline in G.I. Joe, Real American Hero. All right. Next up is Batman Fortnite number 6. Basically, where we left off is Deathstroke has abandoned Batman and Catwoman in Zero Point Land, and they're unable to follow him through the portal that he escaped through because they need three people from the same reality to open it. So that Batman and Catwoman remember, hey, wasn't there somebody else running around who looked like a clown? There was. Harley Quinn jumped in there, too. They go and track down Harley, who's having the time of her life just causing mayhem and fighting. So they attempt to bring Harley back with them. Harley doesn't really want to go too willingly, because she's having too much fun. But Batman and Catwoman are able to defeat Harley, and they also run into... (laughs) Mirror Universe evil doppelgangers of themselves that they have to fight their way through to. But they return to the zero point with the attempt of opening up the portal again. They are able to open up the portal, but this time Harley Quinn escapes. She heads back into the game, in essence, because, again, she's having too much fun. Catwoman's a little reluctant to go through the portal as well, because she and Batman have this type of connection. They don't remember what's on the other side. And Catwoman is kind of happy with the status quo between her and Batman here. But Batman convinces her to go along. They end up in Gotham City. Their memories return, and they realize why the Batman-Catwoman relationship doesn't always work. Which kind of leaves Catwoman and Batman up both a little brokenhearted. Batman returns and fills in Commissioner Gordon, saying that Deathstroke himself couldn't have pulled this off on his own. He had to have wealthy backers, which are revealed in Metropolis to be Lex Luthor, 
a Dr. Sloan, who is apparently the person devising the portal to the game. I'm pretty sure that had, doesn't have anything to do with the DC universe. It's not a character I recognize, and I'm well-versed in DC. I think that's probably a character from the Fortnite game. Again, I am not very familiar with the Fortnite game, so apologies. And unfortunately, the third backer is the most overused villain of 2020, the Batman Who Laughs. Boo! If you're unfamiliar with the Batman Who Laughs, he's an alternate universe Batman who ended up killing the Joker, which unfortunately released a Venom into this Batman system when he killed the Joker and basically turned him into a Batman-Joker hybrid. So he's as smart and clever as Batman and crazy as the Joker. And boy, did DC beat him into the ground. In actual DC continuity, he's dead. So at least I don't have to worry about him showing up other here, but it was disappointing to see him rear his ugly head again. In terms of the zero point, we don't see Snake Eyes again in this. As terms of miniseries go, it's okay. The art in it is really good by Riley Brown. Uh, I think he, he does a really good job keeping all these what could be very cluttered and crowded battle scenes very clean and clear and easy to read. I like I like his take on Batman. I love his take on Snake Eyes, too. But overall, as a miniseries, eh. You'd probably get more out of it if you're a lot more familiar with Fortnite. I'm not, I really have no familiarity with Fortnite and really just read it for the characters involved, Batman, Snake Eyes, etc. All right, brace yourselves. Here comes dead game number five. Story and pencils by Rob Liefeld. Script and dialogue by Chad Bowers. And 9,000 other inkers, which apparently Rob Liefeld delayed to try and get all these inkers lined up to each ink a page because he thought it'd be cool. Whatever. When last we left this uh, story, like four months ago, Snake Eyes had gotten the hammer Mjolnir, Destro and the Baroness had showed up for some reason, and they're all confronting Kiragun, who's just going on and on and on about how cool he is. This issue is told from the perspective of Snake Eyes. Basically, it's like we're reading his report and like seeing the action here. Destro apparently brought some Cobra troopers with him. If they weren't shouting Cobra, we wouldn't know because they're just generic looking. They... really... awful. Amazingly, that Rob Liefeld was known for putting all sorts of extra details in pouches and things like that in the 90s, but here he basically takes the lazy way out on costume design on every single character. Alright, they shoot at Snake Eyes, but Snake Eyes steals Thor's gimmick and whirls the hammer and deflects the bullets. Which amazes the Baroness because those rounds were, as she said, Mars God Piercers. Uh, and yeah, that's the stupidest thing I've read in quite a while. So, the Cobra Troopers are trying, then try jumping on Snake Eyes, Who's holding Mjolnir and just held out their god killer bullets? Yeah, so he takes care of them. Snake Eyes tries throwing the hammer away for some dumb reason. I think only to illustrate to the show that it returns back to him and he beats up the Cobra Troopers again. Snake Eyes is trying to take out Destro because he recognizes in the report that this would be a big, you know, big deal and cripple Cobra's operations. The Baroness is facing off with Olympia. They're just yakking at each other. The Baroness is wearing, like, a female version of Destro's suit. Again, lazy design, because he doesn't want to draw all the detail in the real suit. Yada yada. Oh, Kerrigan wakes up, because, you know, he's a terrible bad guy and just keeps up. So he picks up his sword, says, let the dead game resume. Summon some zombies. Don't worry, we won't see the zombies again. Liefeld will forget to draw them. And Snake Eyes charges at him with the hammer. Destro says, ooh, then both weapons will be mine. Good luck taking, you know, one of these guys is going to win, and they're going to be too big to beat you, so. And the Baroness says, well, you know, stay if you want, but if not, you'll be walking back to try and Scarpathia alone. Apparently, Destro and the Baroness leave at this point. We never see them leave. They never get drawn again, because, again, I think Rob Liefeld forgets that they're in the story. 
The hammer is giving Snake Eyes all sorts of extra power, as you would expect from the Hammer of Thor if you read Marvel, and this is where Rob Liefeld stole the idea from. And he's beating Kirigan. He's hitting it hard enough to snap his bones, but it, the hammer's healing him at the same time. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Kirigan's going on and on about how they are unstoppable weapons, and during the battle, he actually shatters Mjolnir. Shatters the hammer. Which is something that we thought had happened in the first issue, but then it turned out in flashback didn't. So he's lording over Snake Eyes, telling him, Ah, you almost won. You're almost good enough, but not me. Ha 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 ha. And Snake Eyes stamps him with the shattered handle while he's, you know, busy monologuing. And he's able to grab Kirigan's sword. So he says, What are you going to do? Are you going to put me in jail? I'll get out again. Ha 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 ha. So Snake Eyes then decides he cuts his arms off. And he says, well, I'll hold the sword in my teeth, and then he cuts his head off. And really, it's like a, it's a scene that's almost as dumb as the Black Knight scene in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And that's apparently the end of the dead game. And something, apparently they're supposed to be planes or flying to Snake Eyes, but they look like two TIE fighters glued together. So it's ridiculous. Then we see the end of the story. It's in the pit in Utah. But unfortunately, they show them on top of giant, a giant concrete structure. The pit is a hole in the ground. It's all underground. That's why they call it the pit. It's not a giant concrete structure. Ugh. And he's talking to Scarlet. Uh, she's going, boy, that sure was wacky, wasn't it? And then somebody comes running up there and says, hey, Major, we, as Scarlet, Major Blood, and a battalion of Saw Vipers are holding a mining village hostage. All right. And say, hey, Snake Eyes want to come along? And, of course, Snake Eyes does. And that's the end of this exercise in stupid. All right. As you can tell... I really wish I had saved my money on Dead Game. But I told someone I'd review it. You're welcome, Mike. Okay, for those of us who were able to suffer through Dead Game, I suppose I could also talk about Snake Eyes the Movie. Now, it's been out for a couple weeks now. I did see it opening night with Mike. Mike and the other guys have talked about it on What's on Joe Mind, but I thought I'd throw my two cents in. In terms of the movie itself, well, uh, Andrew Koji as Storm Shadow is really good. He's a character you want to keep following through the movie. I liked Ursula Corbero as the Baroness. I liked Scarlet. I liked basically all the Joe characters, the characters from Joe Lore, I thought came off pretty well in this movie, except for one. And unfortunately, that one happened to be the title character, Snake Eyes. Now, the, the Snake Eyes story, of course, is very different. There'll be some minor spoilers in here. The movie opens, Snake Eyes and his father are on the run, trying to hide out from something, from someone. That person finds them and kills Snake Eyes' father. Snake Eyes is very young at this point. He's like maybe 10 or 12. And then we cut to the present. It's 20, you know, Snake Eyes has been on the run like maybe 15, 20 years. He's had to take care of himself for a long time. So we don't have Snake Eyes growing up with a family as we did in the comics. It's a new, different Snake Eyes, you know, who's been on the run. He's ending up pit fighting to make ends meet, doing odd jobs, drifting from town to town. Basically, almost like hoping that at some point he'll run into the guy who killed his father. His thoughts are consumed with getting revenge and killing the man who killed his father. He manages uh, to be working for the, the Yakuza. The Yakuza are using him basically as muscle on a warehouse front. Cleaning fish, moving boxes, etc. They bring him in. They're going to take care of a traitor. That traitor actually turns out to be Storm Shadow. Who is the cousin of the Yakuza boss? He's trying to bring him in. He's dishonored the family, the Orochikage clan. 
they hand the gun to Snake Eyes to have him kill him. He doesn't. They fight their way out of it. Storm Shadow thinks he's found a brother, an ally, that he can train and become a member of the Arashikage clan. And we go that way for a while, and as it turns out, it's a front. Snake Eyes is still working for the Yakuza because they've promised to deliver to him the man who killed his father. Snake Eyes' actions for a character who has been on his own for 20 years, been taking care of himself, those actions are consistent. However, they're not consistent for a character that you've named Snake Eyes based on what we know. And basically, this is the lead character of the G.I. Joe franchise. Things work out. Snake Eyes helps them steal an artifact, which is like a magic rock that causes things to burst into flames. I'm fine with that. It's a fantastic little element in the story, but, you know, I mean, these things are basically comic book characters. We can deal with that. I watched a cartoon that dealt with cloned emperors and mass devices and weather dominators. So magic rock, not a big deal. We see Snake Eyes is training with the Arashikage. He has to pass three tests. One test is actually very clever. Another test, it kind of makes sense, but it's almost kind of like a spiritual journey type of thing. And the third one is giant... South American snakes in the middle of Japan, and it's kind of dumb, and they took me out of the movie. Anyway, like I said, Henry Golding is fine for what he does, but the character just wasn't written where you believe that he's going to be the standard bearer for the Joes. You know, this is the Joe that they can always count on. Uh, He's going to get the job done. He's always going to do the right thing. Even with all the tragedy that he suffered in his life, Snake Eye still manages to be hopeful. And I don't know if we get that here. It's almost like we got half an origin story. Like they were playing for the sequel, and really they should have invested more into actually telling the whole story. The movie ends, of course, Snake uh, Storm Shadow, for some of his actions in the big fight at the end, is disgraced and ends up taking the Baroness's offer from Cobra because he no longer will have leadership of the clan. Snake Eyes is basically given membership in the Joes. It was revealed his father was a Joe and was tracking down Cobra, and that's who did him in. But... At the same time, I don't know if like Snake Eyes really got that redemption that we needed to see as a hero who had spent basically the entire movie as its villain. So we got kind of got half an origin story. We don't get the scarring on the face. We don't get the you know the loss of the voice either. But that didn't happen until he was a Joe anyway. So it's all right in the timeline there. And it doesn't have to be exactly like the comic books. If I wanted that, I could read the comic books. And you know, I understand you have to update and change things as time goes on, but there's certain key elements that they just miss with Snake Eyes. That sense of honor, that sense of righteousness that always going to be counted on to do the right thing just isn't there with Snake Eyes. And they needed to do more work. And like I said, we got half an origin story for Snake Eyes. We didn't get the whole thing. So that's where I think the movie misses the mark. And a lot of people picked up on that. So unfortunately, I don't think this movie's going to move the needle as much as Hasbro wanted to get this franchise restarted. They probably need to have a big blockbuster and it, it big blockbuster G.I. Joe movie to start things off and then go, hey, that Snake Eyes guy's cool, let's do a movie about him. Establish that sense of mystery first, and then tell the origin. Because really, that's what drew me into Snake Eyes in the as the first place. He's my favorite Joe, and it's because of that sense of mystery. You don't know who he is, what he can do, all that fun stuff that really kind of drew you into his story. And you have to do that first before you give him an origin. And they kind of start off with the origin first, so you don't get that sense of mystery. You don't get that sense of ooh to draw you in. So starting with the Snake Eyes origin, thought it might have been a good idea at the time, ends up being a big miss. Because this movie, although not done badly, doesn't have anything to make it special. It's about a C-plus for me. Still 900 times better than Dead Game. Anyway, that's it for me this month. Kind of a long one because I threw the movie review in there for fun. But until next time, 
I will see you at the Comics Rack.